Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Hemp Logic Radio, where we attempt to sift facts from opinions in this upside-down world of industrial hemp. Hey, 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 good morning. It's uh, Camp Logic Radio. Just to give you a, a heads up, this is a live show, and uh, we, I don't edit. It's a, it's a complete live show, so keep that in mind when you're listening to the uh, podcast. Uh, this morning, we've got uh, Corbett Hefner and Randy Wright from Formation Ag, and we're going to be talking about hemp fiber, the hemp fiber market. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, Corey. How are we doing? Well, we're doing well. I, uh, we just were on the just talking before this. Um, it, it, the, the hemp fiber market is literally on fire. It's white hot. Some of the things we've seen is, uh, you know, we're likening the, this market to the CBD market of a year ago, exactly one year ago, uh, March of, of 19. The CBD market was pretty much what we're seeing right now in the hemp fiber market. Do you guys agree? Yeah, the interest is definitely shifted in the last three, four weeks, almost 180. People are still looking at CBD, but the fiber is sure interesting to people. thing that makes me a little concerned about that is CBD was pretty easy to overproduce. Fiber crop's going to be even easier. You know, I was going to mention something I thought about this morning to really help the entire industry out. If people would support that hemp feed coalition, it's one of the things that will be a total game changer for, you know, agriculture in general for hemp as a rotation crop is to get this as a, a feedable commodity to cattle and, you know, chickens and sheep, et cetera. That, that's going to make a big difference in how this market works and how a farmer can use this as a rotation crop to help his farm out. So if you got, you know, a minute, check out that. Um, that's, out of, that's out of Colorado, help. isn't it? It is. It is. It's um, Heather Buffington's in charge of that. She used to be part of the Colorado HIA, and she stopped because she's recognized that that's a major, a major hurdle is, is being able to feed this to animals. And the anecdotal evidence at the moment, moment is is it does some really good things for animals as well, and it'll help the farm. So if people support that, that's that's important. Yeah, it's it's uh, one of the things when I you know three years ago when we got into this. We were looking at the fi- at the food and fiber was where we were going, and the food side, and, and the, the Washington State uh, Department of Ag was, you know, well, we need more money so we can study this. What are you talking about? You know, it's um, obviously I saw this. I think it was 18 months ago. I think when the when Colorado stepped up and funded um, the food the food side uh, to animals. I, I think that's about the timing's right on that. But you're you're right. It, you, we've got to figure out a way to um, you know introduce this into the food, the farming market and actually have a market where people can actually grow it and um, and get it to, and get it to the and get it into the market. Um, you know, so we got the food and the fire the food. Now we you know the mar- the fiber market. Um, talk a little bit about how you said you know, in the last three weeks uh, your market has changed. Talk about that. Well, people are looking at it since the price of the cannabinoid market has dropped down so much. They're looking at this as a, I don't know how you exactly phrase it, but I, I don't know if it's another gold rush. I don't think the money is quite as big as, as CBD was, um, but but there's some money to be made in this. And, and people, if they study this correctly and really look at the numbers, you know, there's there's avenues here where, where you can have a successful business they got to realize some things. I mean, we make equipment where we can go in and, and do the proverbial tri crop, where we can get grain and flour and fiber. But if your in use is a true fiber application, where you really need good tensile strength, if you're going to make really nice fabrics, <clears throat> you're not going to take that crop all the way to the end, meaning to seed. You're going to harvest it way, way before it flowers. So that you've got to be aware of these different conditions and, and what your end goals are in mind 
you just aren't going to be able to plant it and harvest it and think it's going to be the one size fits all. It's just not going to be practical. There's there's pluses and minuses with everything, right? Corey, we I'll were I'll talking I'll... about. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, we were we were talking about you know how things have shifted a little bit, and over the last month on our website, our data has shown literally what Corbett said that the numbers have turned 180. We were, I would say we were about 10% discussions about decorticators last year and restless processing or harvesting and processing. Now this year it's turned around the other way. It's about 10% harvesting right now and the rest of us decorticators. There's a lot of interest in decorticating right and processing too. Processing being cleaning seed, cleaning flower and, and uh, stock out of seed, you know, in preparation for extraction or in the case of the grain and fiber market, getting that grain clean before you dehull it because you you don't want stems in your dehulled product that you're going to sell. It's still a food-grade product. You have to be aware that this is somebody's going to consume. And, you know, if you're in the instance of hemp parts, uh, you got to remember it's not like you're making flour for bread. There is no still kill step, right? When you bake bread, you kill anything. Um, hemp oil and, and hemp parts, there isn't. So you have to be very, very aware of how you're farming this and have food safety in mind. Have your your good management practices in place and use them. So the, the fiber market, the fiber market being so hot and being, you know, so much interest in it, uh, speaking with, you know, people in this last week, when I said I was going to do this, you know, I've said I'm going to do some hemp videos and boy, that turned into, you know, uh, I can't just jump into that. I've got to do this the right way. And then talking about this podcast uh, has drummed up a, a ton of interest. The, the one uh, I put up that LinkedIn post yesterday morning and it's been seen almost 5,000 times with, you know, a hundred some odd likes with, with some 50 some odd comments. So everybody has an, uh, an idea of what this hemp fiber market is, but what I'm seeing and hearing is we need to understand, we need to get to the farmer, the knowledge of, what is what is hemp and what are you going to be growing it for so you can sell it to an uh, a, a possible processor and that's uh some of the things i didn't you know really realize was fiber needs to be like you just mentioned uh fiber needs to be taken down before it turns to seed so this dual crop or tri crop all these things kind of fall apart if you are growing for the hemp fiber market is is that what you've been in? Is that your your understanding? Well, if you're going for a real high-end, strong fiber, <clears throat> that may be case. You know, as genetics progress and, you know, if, if your market is, is a less demanding in use, then, yeah, you can probably do the, the, the tri-crop, dual, dual crop. I think that's viable. We've decorticated uh, dual-purpose fiber here, then it's pretty darn tough. Uh, is it as tough as a true fiber variety? We've only had our hands on one, and it was pretty impressive. Um, but but so that this other stuff's not that much weaker. But it's not as soft. Uh, it may take a little more processing. Um, so those are just some things that, that we don't know. You know, I, my background, I came out of the plastics industry. I was a flexible packaging manufacturer, and uh, we owned a, a – uh, or the company I worked for owned a Rochelle Knit factory and I ran uh, the plant that made non-woven textiles so we made yard goods and materials right then I cut that up and made it into bags so we put our hands on these textiles on these fibers and we know what you know it takes to make a filament that will go through a machine to make a yard good of something whatever it is whether it's open mesh hay bale netting you know yard goods for clothing those all have their own unique demands for the tensile strength of the fiber, the size of that fiber, so that you can actually run it through a machine and make it work. It's nothing worse than setting up a machine to run 24 hours a day, and every time an individual strand breaks, it's a defect in your fabric. So that's something that's like, was it you or somebody else asked me earlier today, you know, how do you cut this stuff down? I said, well, don't use a hay bind or a rotary mower, because every time a blade comes around and impacts the stock, it's going to be the potential for damage. I'm not going to say it is, but everything we put our hands on, every you can see where it's been hit by a blade when it was rotary mode, okay? So those are things you have to be aware of before you just go in there. And I've said it before, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. I think the next step beyond that is that it would be better to use a round baler than a square baler for the same reason. 
The round baler is not going to damage the product, not going to damage the stocks like a, the square baler might. It's and then I think Randy that we have to we have to uh, address. So let's let's take a farmer with a hundred acres. Farmer with a hundred acres plants, you know, twenty five pounds an acre because he's grown for fiber. And in his mind, he's going to he's he's maybe pulled some uh, varieties out of Canada. You know, they're going to be seven eight feet tall. And he's going to come in and he's going to raise his header on his combine. And his thought process is that he's going to dual crop this. So he goes in and he cuts the the t- top three feet off, runs that through his combine, and then comes back through and, and either swaths or sickle cell or sickle sickle bar his uh, fiber, and windrow that and you know puts it in bales. Well, what are you going to do with that? You know you've got you know hemp bales. You know I've I've gotten at least two requests this this week. I'm in Wednesday and I've already gotten two requests looking for 150 ton. A fiber. What does that I, I what does that mean? You know, you're gonna have to explain this. What what are exactly are you looking for? Um, one I had a request this morning talking about CBD fiber, uh, which it, of course everybody just thinks that they can just take the CBD stock and run it through a decorticator and you know make T-shirts out of it. Um, this is some of the you know myths that we have to start. Know, breaking and start educating um, in this industry. Yeah, we see a definite difference between a CBD variety, tensile strength of the fiber, and a grain variety, dual purpose variety, and then a true fiber crop. That tensile strength of those CBD stocks is less than half. It doesn't make great herd. I think one of the, the big things was a couple things. When you take a, a Christmas tree grown, horticultural grown CBD stock, <clears throat> number one, it gets cut, hang, you know, if they're doing a hang drying deal, that, that crop never gets redded. It never it begins the process of breaking the lignans down that bind the fiber to the herd. And it takes multiple passes through a machine to break it down, at least if you're going after long line fiber. The second problem is every place there's a branch or a node off of that main stem and then off of the, the subsequent stems or branches is, is a weak spot. You know, it's just like fishing line. If you take a piece of fishing line that's five pounds test and you pull on it, it'll break at five pounds. Tie one overhand knot in that fishing line and see what happens. It'll break at half a pound, one pound, because it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's not a straight path. It has to pull in tensile, and you can't have that shearing action. The shearing action is what will break it. So it's something to be aware of. I'm not saying you can't do it, but again, what is your end use? You know, if you want to take a CBD stock and pelletize it, it'll burn like crazy, burns nice and hot, good ash content, it's viable. But is that going to be your T-shirt fiber? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's, I think ultimately, Corbett, we got that everybody has to understand what their end use is. And not only, it's not only just the end use, and you could just bring, scale that, bring that all the way back to who are you, who are you selling, the, who's the processor? What is their end use? Because if you get into this, and this is what we're going to see kind of with the CBD market, is the the fiber guys are going to get in and they're going to talk to a processor and they're going to say, well, we want this. And in their heads, they are thinking something else. And they're going to go through the whole growing season and they're going to, they're going to harvest their, their hemp fiber and they're going to turn it into their processor. I can't take this. This, this isn't what I asked for, whether it's genetics, whether it's growing process, whether it's uh, baling process, the redding process, all those things have to come into play in order for that processor that they spoke to at the beginning of the year in, in March and, and get that. Is, and that. That's how I see this. Well, it's, it's, it's all going to come down to a standard. You know, if somebody's going to consume that fiber, they're going to want to know what its specifications are. It's going to have a weight. It's going to have a tensile strength. It's going to have a, you know, perhaps a color. Perhaps, you know, the, the list goes on and on. It just depends on what you want to do with it. So you're going to start, again, like we always say, work at the sale and work your way backwards. That's going to tell you a lot, you know, all the way back to your genetic choice, how you farm it. you got to make sure you, you know, uh, there's no weeds in it because dried hemp and pigweed look almost the same, but they sure don't decorticate the same. 
and it'll make a mess. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. There's going to be people selling some pigweed and look like hemp, and that's not going to cut it. Um, and then the, the redding process, you know, that, that, that really helps in breaking down that fiber. It just makes it more machinable. We can talk about green decortication in a second, and I'll give you my two cents on that. You can do with it what you want. Um, you know, redding, raking it, baling it, getting it put up and stored properly because this is a fiber plant. It can't consume everything you bring to it at once. I mean, it's got a capacity. Um, and then, then the downstream people are going to have a capacity. And those things are all driven around the specification of that fiber. Like I said earlier, if, if you have a damage on a, on a filament, let's say you're running knitting machines or looms, and, and one strand breaks, Every time that machine stops and starts, it is a number two fabric. Now, it's a defect because it has lost tension. It doesn't look the same. So you have to be very aware of that. You know, a big knitting machine could have between, you know, a few thousand individual ends or strands up to 4,000. Some of those jacquard knitting machines for real fine lace and stuff, I mean, they're, they're incredible. There's 24 uh, warp strands per inch, and then you have all the west strands that are interlaced in there to make a woven fabric. They're very intricate and they're very precise and they're awesome machines, but they have to be fed correctly. Does that, does that make was, sense? Oh, I was in a uh, back in the back in another life. I was uh, doing a synthetic synthetic grass, um, and uh, we went to the factory in Georgia, and uh, they, where they made it's it was carpet, and same thing. You know, it's the I don't know how many rolls of synthetic you know, these strands and so you take that and but you're you know we were we were making carpet i can't imagine what it looks mm-hmm. like if you're trying to make a cloth um you know a bolt you know bolt of cloth it's uh people you know to get it you know i i, I one of my favorite stories when i got into this industry we were at a show and and it was um a guy comes up to me and he says you know I'm, i want to grow hemp i got uh, five acres in my backyard and i want to grow hemp and then I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a Chinese decorticator for five fifty thousand uh, dollars from China, and then I'm gonna decorticate my crop, and then I'm gonna make uh, screen printed T-shirts. <laughs> and I was looking at him, going, "Well, can you tell me more about this? I I want to know more. You know, uh, in their minds, they're they're thinking they're gonna go through this. You know, they're gonna decorticate this, and they're gonna make fiber." And then they're going to, you know, weave their own cloth and, and make screen printed T-shirts. Um, but that's that kind of step. And that, you know, decortication, first milk decorticating is one of, again, depending on what you're doing, it, it could be five steps, six steps, ten. You know, you've got to comb it and cotton, or card it, which is, you know, we, we've been looking. We cannot find a machine that's been made for him to do that, so we're trying to engineer and pioneer that, and we're making really good progress on it finally. Uh, th- this is tough stuff, by the way, to work with. It's not easy, by the way. Prepare for some heartaches. You think growing CBD was fun in the field. Wait till you try to process this stuff in the building. Um, you know, and then you got to degum it, cottonize it. Do you want it dyed? you got to make it into roving. you got to twist it into filaments. What do those look like? put them on packages so that you can actually do something with it. You know, there's a pile of work to do this. I mean, a level winding machine, they're massive pieces of machinery. They're expensive and they have, they run at high speed. So you have to feed it good quality material or you're you're not going to be successful. The numbers will line up very quickly. Well, yeah, let's, so let's go. Let's, that's a good segue. So, you know, so if let's say that some, you know, a a farming community comes together and they're going to buy, you know, you know, one of your machines, your, your 660, um, what, what is, what can they expect? Um, you know, if they, if they bought this and they, they put a facility together, what, what, what kind of volume, um, would they be expected to run through that? Um, can you talk a little bit about on that, that process? Sure. The the 660 will run up to about a ton an hour. Um, you know, and like everything, there, there's a payback on it, right? You, you've got to do find your break-even number on there and figure out, can I make money at this? I was listening, and a guy said he was going to drop $40 million on a on a fiber plant. So, you know, take that and add another 5 or $10 million by the time you put a building and offices and people in it. How many tons a day, a week, a month, what is it, whatever your metric is, how many do you have to run through there to actually make a payback work? And do you have the volume 
you know, in sales to do that. You know, you're, you're talking an investment of that size, that's a substantial fixed cost and overhead, right? So is it worth it to do that? Do you have the demand? Do you have the market for it? And can you get the price for it? Because the price today of fiber, what people are doing their numbers on, uh, 12 months from now, just like we saw in CBD, may or may not be the same number. Well, but but and, that's and, also a commodity, though, Corbett, because if you've got if you've done everything correctly, you should be able to get anywhere between seventy five or twenty five to seventy five cents. Let's just take that fifty cent window there uh, for for your fiber. Uh, from what I'm seeing and hearing, you know, herds at you know between five and twelve cents a pound. But so using that 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 scenario we just started talking about can you know they buy your 660 they run it a, a ton they run a ton an hour through it and we need to let everybody know that that's also first mill that is that's only breaking down the stocks into fiber and and the herd correct correct and there's things you can do with that i mean you've got herd that's probably and you know, everybody wants to do animal bedding that that's that can be ground down for lcm material um you know that I think somebody's going to be really creative and, and isolate some molecules out of the herd or the fiber that will allow you to make a resin pellet so you can extrude this into a true plastic. That's what I'm most excited about, being out of the plastics industry. I would love to come up with uh, what I would consider a true biodegradable plastic that can be processed on existing equipment. That That's, to me, a holy grail thing. But I'm waiting to see that happen. Um, I think, you know, erosion control stuff. Oh, sorry. Well, you know, I was going to say that the, the plastic, the plastic is only we're we're right now from what I'm, you know, and I mean I might be wrong. I might be talking out of school here, but thirty um, percent uh whatever that hard word is, propyl, propyl, propylene, <laughs> propylene, thirty percent propylene, <laughs> the thirty, or, yeah, yeah, seventy percent hemp. So say it. I know you can. <laughs> do the marvel trick <laughs> so yeah the polypropylene definitely so you know so they break they break this down into first mill and then we've got to find a market for that first mill and i think you know these these big companies that are coming online you know we're we're, we're going to start talking about investment into this industry but the um this this small this small entity uh, breaks his fibers down into um, you know first mill, but they still have to find where are you taking where are you taking all this? Where's it going? Uh, these are these are num- these are financial numbers that need to be figured out before you know everybody jumps in. That's one of the fun things about hemp that that this fiber and herd is where all the you know the myriad of uses come in. What do you want to do with it? There's people out there that are working on stuff that's not even on the radar that, that's going to be fantastic. I'm really excited to see what people come up with. It all starts oh, with that decorticator. Sure. At the end, I'll be all the final machine, but it's an important cog in that machine. Oh, for sure. This is it's it's most definitely um, most definitely something that that people are gonna. I can see it just on my just on the comments inside. You know, and I I'm a big I'm a big fan of, of LinkedIn. And so when people comment on my, my posts, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of interest, a lot of people that have been working on projects throughout the country. I mean, it's all over the place from New York all the way down to San Diego. Uh, Everybody has their thought process and their idea of what they're going to do and how they're going to capitalize on this market. I commented this morning, I said, this is, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a race to the moon. You know, everybody's wanting to get this, you know, done. But I don't, I don't believe that there's an easy, I don't believe there's an easy, uh, um, a shortcut. I don't believe there's a shortcut to this. And that's kind of why I wanted to, you know, this is probably one of the first of probably three different podcasts we're going to be having about fiber. Um, But I wanted, this is definitely what I wanted to talk about was, you know, making sure that these farmers understand what they're getting into. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, there was an article that came out in the hemp industry daily last night. I didn't catch it until late. Um, but 
there's an outfit out there trying to raise between 150 and 175 million dollars through Wall Street. Um, that's definitely going to shake this industry up. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, we need somebody to do capital investment. That's a substantial chunk of money. It just you know you, you got to do the math on it and make sure you can recover it. But I think it's doable. It's just going to take a lot of effort and. You know, we need that investment because that's what's going to keep driving the market and build it so that farmers can plant, you know, hundreds and thousands of acres instead of, you know, 20. And that, that's going to definitely help. So you need investment. It's just got to be well thought out, planned, and, and, and targeted. And I think it'll be, you'll be all right. But just for the sake of raising money, I'm not sure if that's, you know, who knows what well, the plan is. Well, let's see what the well, like Corbett, I know you. You know, you and I have been friends now three, three plus years, and and you know my struggles that I've gone through trying to raise money um, for the hemp, or the fiber side. You know, and it's um, it gets really frustrating. I'm not a big fan of money guys, and I get probably one or two money guys a week trying to figure out. You know, hey, I want to be involved in what you got going on. No, you don't. You, you say you do, but you don't. Uh, I don't think you have the stomach for this. You know. People with investment, especially VCs, oh, man, they, those guys are brutal. You know, they, money is either expensive. They want 90% of the company. And, you know, of course, I'm not going to do that. And I had one guy try to tie me up forever. It was no matter what I did, if he lent me money, uh, he got a cut. Uh, wow. Wow. Okay, but that, yeah. So these are the these are some of the things um, that we we, you know, that we navigate through on a on a daily basis, trying to figure out um, investment, and it's a it's a tough gig. And then you know I I'll tell you when I when I read the article, it's just kind of it's like God, oh, man, how come how come he can do it and I can't? You know, <laughs> I'm sure this is you know that's going to resonate with quite a few other people. Oh man, if I just had, you know. Uh, a million dollars. What could I have done? You know, so neither here or there, I guess. But three years ago, when we started looking at fiber, just a little bit of investment just to start. That's why we make that 660. It's, it's one to get you. You have to walk before you can run sometimes, right? So that's that's a great piece of equipment to get in there. The payback is easier on it and learn what you don't know and learn if you can make this work and, and viably make, make a go at the business. You know, experiment with what the end uses are going to be, what they could be. And once you've got it, now you can innovate whatever your mind can uh, come up with. That's the fun thing about hemp is there's so many limitless uses for it. It's amazing. Yeah, it's. I think you. I think you touched on. I mean, we kind of we brought up the 660 that that, uh, Formation Ag builds, and you know, it's you you hit it right there. You know, if you want to get into hemp and you want to, uh, you know, get into it, then then buy this 660. Um, and, and, you know, get your feet wet and start building your markets that way. And then when you're running that machine 24 seven, 365, and you're, you cannot produce any more out of that machine. Now, now you go into, you know, the bigger, the bigger stuff. Now you've, you know, now you've made yourself, you've made your own market and you've done it, you've done it smart. So, um, you got to create demand just like we tell for CBD stuff, you create your own demand. That's how you can make good returns on this. It's not the grain elevator model. You know, you're an entrepreneur. You're you're blazing that trail. You're creating demand for that product, and that's the kind of people that are going to help really launch this thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the first quarter in twenty into 2015, first part of 2016. As far as I know, that was the first decorticator built in the U.S. since since Slickton built his back in the early 1900s. So we've we've been working on fiber and putting our hands on it every year since then, and it's been a challenge. Yeah, it's it's definitely this is definitely a challenging industry for sure. Challenging industry for sure. So what what other kinds of things are you seeing? You know, you you and I talked a week or so ago, and you're on the road. Um, I take it you're back now in the in the office. What are you What are you seeing out there, Corbett? What are you guys You know, what are you seeing out there in the on the circuit? Oh, well, the interest is definitely high. The entrepreneurial spirit is high. People are really looking at it. 
that's exactly what you want is it that kind of people doing it um i i still see the the can it, uh, oil market is is being very viable people are really starting since that's kind of turned uh, the other way that um you know they're investigating grain and oil and protein cake and then the fiber you know the, the, all the other uses of this this is but I think people are starting to realize this is a, is a good rotation crop. It's not the end-all, be-all. I'm going to retire at the end of the year thing like they thought it was, you know, a year or two ago. I'm really glad to see that because we want farmers to make money. They need to. Well, hey, that's that's the whole point of this is that the farmer needs to understand that there this is a viable product. It's just going to take time. It's just not uh, something you just plug in. And you have to understand the what exactly you're you're growing, how you're going to harvest it, and uh, get it get it to a market. Whether that's building your own market, chasing down, you know, you have to have a little bit of a sales, a little bit of sales streak in in you to to do to do this. So, um, most definitely. Um, well, I've got uh, I've got one caller on the phone here. If you if you guys uh, can hang on just a second, let's bring in a caller and see what. Uh, See what he has to say. Hang on just a second, guys. John Stoddard. Hi, John. Yeah, this is me. How are you? Hey, John. You're on. You're on the. You're on the call with uh, Corbett and Randy. You, you've been hey, the whole Cor- time. <laughs> yeah. I saw this uh, Colin Polk podcast, man, but the phones have been just so busy, jammed up. Red lights. Red lights, red lights, red lights. Well, go- thanks for joining the, the call. Do you got do you have a you have a question for Corbett or Randy? Yeah, I, I think more of a question than just kind of business economics. I mean, what we're what I'd like to see before anybody starts planting a bunch of fiber in the ground is actually customers asking for it, wanting to buy it. I mean, you know, I, I do, I work on the board of advisor for Hemp Exchange and we see a lot of product listed on there. It's not moving very fast, but we're also looking for industries where there's pull through, meaning customers actually want the product. And it's, I mean, there are customers out there, Patagonia, and there's some Japanese firms and there's European firms, but it's not at the level where you know, it's going to make sense to put $100 million in, uh, you know, to get all the machines in place, to, to uh, you know, launch a farm with five, ten thousand 10,000 acres, and where it makes economic sense just yet. My, my caution is just like, we need customers. Correct. I, I did a little number thing for myself just because sometimes I do weird stuff. You know, I went out, BMW made 2.4 million cars last year. How, how many pounds of fiber, if they replaced the carbon fiber in, in those cars, would a car need? So I just figured just for easy numbers, I said, okay, let's do two pounds per car. And then being generous, let's say 100% of those cars actually consume that fiber. Long story short, knowing that, you know, rough numbers, fiber to herd is, is 75.25. I'm sorry, 25.75. I came up with, to if you put two pounds of hemp fiber in every single car at a very conservative uh, yield per acre of five five uh, five thousand pounds i think i came up to 480 acres of hemp so like you just said you <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's one farmer in wilcox arizona can handle all of bmw <laughs> now I, I might be way off in that maybe it's 100 pounds of fiber i don't know uh i it was just doing a what if to see what kind of scale, what kind of scope would it take to get into that market? And maybe I'm way off. Maybe it's 10,000 acres. I don't know. But using that math and that logic, you know, what 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 would somebody need to target? Does that, that seem like a reasonable thing? That's just what you're saying. you got to do the math. You need to have pull-through customers, create demand for it. And I think people can create demand. Um, but you, you need somebody to buy it. Because if you plant it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, there's bales all over eastern Colorado that people think that you can just buy. But then I asked the question, what what is in that bale? I mean, I had somebody bring me a picture of a huge stack of bales, and they were white and black. And white and black is a spiral, right? 
Well, hemp will rat one-sided. So that crop got laid down, ratted, didn't get flipped, and then got baled. Well, how are you going to decorticate that when 50% of that bale is different than the other 50%? How are you going to set up a machine to handle that and be successful? So you got to figure yeah, out. That, how to, I mean, how it you almost know. has to be, you know, the whole process, decortication machine has to be on the farm, and everything happens there almost in real time. That's why we build a mobile if people want, you know, you could, hemp is not that heavy, especially stuff that's grown in the plains. And, you know, this direction it's about, but it's substantially lighter than products that are grown on the East Coast. So it makes more sense to move a machine uh, to to a, a stack of 10,000 bales than 10,000 bales to a, to a plant knowing that you're not going to wait out a truck. You'll cube out a, a flatbed, but you won't wait them out. In other words, your freight cost is going to be high. So you have a distance that you can transport those before, uh, you know, there, or there's going to be a distance where you can't transport them because your your freight cost will be um, sure, sure. Advantage. Yeah, yeah, but you're still talking right there, going, okay, that's not a market on a large scale. Like, okay, one farmer with 500 acres. I mean, if their numbers are correct, you could be, you, we could be way off, right? But let's say if it's in the ballpark, that's one farmer with a thousand acres. That's it. All of BMW. Yep. Yeah. We've got to get it's, some Mercedes. We've got to get yeah, that's not the a repeat, in the See, it's not a repeatable business model yet. I mean, you've got to... Uh, <laughs> like, well, it's... And, then, and you know what? And now, uh, John, you're, 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 you're pointing out that the 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 well, not the it's the obvious to us but the the thing is is we need to this this industry is going to grow and it's because of these failures that it's going to grow and that's my opinion is that the failures of these farmers in 2020 and 2021 trying to get into the hemp farmer market are going to lead the path of this market growing because they're going to learn they're going to learn what genetics work and what in in which market and which region and how exactly do you uh, you process this stuff in the field so an actual processor um, that somebody that buys a 660 from Corbett can then you know can sell it to that guy there, there's a lot of learning here and that's kind of why I wanted to you know this is why I'm doing what I'm doing is I'm trying to educate those that are wanting to get into this hemp fiber market uh, so they so they don't make these catastrophic farm ending mistakes. Yeah, I, I mean that's, that's uh, I, I like the process, Corey. It's critical thinking. Going before you start spending money, let's let's kind of run some scenarios about how to make money or when do we lose money. Yeah, we've done a lot of that when we built the first large decorticator. We, I mean, I spent several weeks doing an ROI and picking it apart and trying to see if I was off, right, wrong, or indifferent, and you just look at your capital expenditure, look at what you think the, the retail sale of the of the commodity is at the time you're selling it, and you can calculate your payback, your break-even. And if you're running less throughput than that because of either poor demand or because your your, your equipment's not that fast, then it's a, it's, it's a problem from the get-go. So you really have to be aware of that uh, when you're starting one of these facilities up. And, and the use is you know, like the hemp wood thing, that is a cool, cool product, how they're making that structural wood. You, you know, to get the scale, you said the Hemp Feed Coalition getting grain in there. Well, now you can take that byproduct, like we talked to a customer that has a particle board factory. You know, we did the math for him. That's where you start getting into scale. Can you make a particle board out of, out of decorticated hemp? And, and he thinks he can. That's pretty good volume. That's cool. That's really so, Corey, I got a question out. before that. Sorry, Corey, I'm not going to take over your show, but... So what? So let's say if a farmer is approached by a university because a large company comes to the university and said, hey, we'd like to explore uses for hemp, and then the university says, you know, we'll pay you to grow 500 acres, and then, you know, we're going to do some work on it, and then uh, the company's going to buy it. Now, where do you come in, Corbett, with this mobile decorticator, and, you know, like how much does it cost, and Tell me a little bit what that looks like because I, I love the idea. We've we've made a modular, so you can you, you know it's a little not a la carte per se, but you can pick and choose. Like we know 
uh, herd entanglement in the fiber is a problem. So we've made some shaking apparatuses to help take that out, some uh, other separation devices if you need those. just depends, again, what your end use is. And we base this machine on Slickton design, but we put a lot of technology into it. Uh, we've just updated uh, the uh, – we've had to put touchscreens in it and input-output um, uh, capabilities on it so that you can hook it into a facility. Let's say you've got in-feed conveyors and takeaway conveyors. Well, this machine has to have controls so that you can stop it and start it with a factory if you want to, if you choose to do that. But the mobile aspect of Hello? Oh. I <laughs> I dropped Corbett. Corbett Corbett just oh, he, he just Yeah, he was on a roll too. You know what? I, I don't get to say I Yeah. <laughs> I don't get to say I, I've got two episodes under my belt with no hiccups. So <clears throat> I'm sure he'll call back in, but um you dropped off. He's he's texting me. Oh, he was on a roll too. Dang it! Oh boy. Well, that's that's the that's I think that's the beauty. I do believe that's the beauty of doing a live show. Um, you know, I don't believe uh, that that editing stuff is. Uh, you know, it, it just doesn't uh, it doesn't work. I, I like this live. Um, yeah, you got to do both, but. Uh... Yeah. Uh, it's weird. He got, you're, he got, uh, go ahead. Where is he on the farm or what? Oh no. Corbett's at a shop. Oh yeah. So I, I'm curious to what he thinks about, you know, one of these markets, whether it's textiles, bioplastics, or hempcrete has the best chance of taking off the first. I mean, I know there's guys, the, those guys out of Idaho, uh, uh, Hempitecture, uh, I don't know them personally, know the company, but it seems like they are making some really good uh, tra traction and how their business model is set up. I mean, they're not going to make the, the hemp, grow the hemp, do any of that. They're just licensing the technology and going around the country uh, selling this process or licensing the process to these large contractors. That's, you know, that's one of the, that's the cool part about this industry is that there's, there's guys like that that are, are all over the place. Um, all right, Corbett just caught pop back in. Hang on just a second. That's a good question yeah. to ask him. Yeah. Corbin. Oh, hold yes. on. Oh, there he is. Boy, you, you just, you just fell off, bud. It's my fault. I pushed the wrong button. Oh, yeah, we Randy, send him home without pay, Corbett. Send him home without pay. calling the order decorticators, Corey. I, I was trying to get rid of that call, and, and I accidentally got rid of the wrong one. He's going uh -oh. on a cruise. He's hey, Corbett, here. I kind of changed, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Corbett, I kinda changed the question a little bit. And I was talking about, I asked Corey about, um, you know, which industry, you know, there's bioplastic textiles or, you know, pet kit litter and there's uh, hempcrete. And the guys out of Idaho, the hempitecture, seems to be making some really great traction because they're not getting involved in the growing and selling it. They're just getting and selling their license, the process to build uh hempcrete homes and it looks like it's taken off i mean you go to their website and they're sold out every city they go to what what was the company name again hempitecture it's a it's a couple of millennial uh, architects oh that's awesome though yeah I, I yeah well there's one guy i mean they're not dumb guys they're smart guys one guy used to be a wall street guy so he's you know anything he looks at is like hey this has got to make money this has got to be a numbers guy so no, I fully agree. Structural in place panel, you know, building houses controlled. I mean, that's an awesome market, and that's that's larger consumption. That's but yeah, that's Corbett. I think that's what we're gonna. That's this is what that's the kind of stuff that this this industry is is going to be built around. Is is uh, entrepreneurs 
you know, that are going to take this one. You know, they're going to build that T-shirt in their garage, you know, uh, and they're going to they're going to do it. And then they're going to, someone's going to, you know, buy the technology and the IP and, and make it scale. I believe that. I, I don't see a reason why. Now we're looking up and or the uh, pioneers. You know what the phrase is? The pioneers take the arrows. Yeah, yeah, you do. It's the guy that, that doesn't realize, or, you know, what's what's the quote? Some of the greatest achievements in life are doing the thing people can't t- tell you you can't do. I butchered that a little, but I mean, we've made a good living doing that kind of stuff. People say you can't do it. And figure out how? You know, I never said you can't do anything in this deal. I just want you to plan ahead and and be safe with with your finances. You know, and, and I think that's the risk. Corbett, you nailed it. You nailed it on that. You nailed it on the head there. I think. Um, I think that a lot of times people will say, "Well, you're poo-pooing my idea." I'm like, "Well, no, I'm not poo-pooing your idea, but have you thought it all the way through?" And you know, you know, well, screw you, Corey. I mean, you don't you don't know me. Um, you know, uh, there's some of that in in what my in my world in Hemp Logic. People said I couldn't pull this off, and I haven't pulled it off completely yet, but you know, um, making headroads, but you know, everybody has the, those challenges as being an entrepreneur is, is just part of that. Yep. So, website. I'm going to have to look. Well, I, I kind of wanted to, uh, can I go back to that? Can I go back to that, uh, uh, that process and, you know, you going out to a farm and, uh, you know, what it costs the farmer or who pays it? Or are you doing a, you know, a split or, uh, you know all well, that gonna, process because John, I got, I got. This is going to be. This is the first one of probably. It looks like three. So most definitely, um, you, we can have that. We can have that discussion. I'm running out of time. Um, yeah, but sure. yeah, most definitely. It would, I got two more at least on this hemp fiber market. So yeah, that'll be a definitely good question to to come back in and ask because it's a viable question. Um, one of the things I wanted to just touch on guys real fast and listening, if you're listening to this, it's, it's been 45 minutes. Uh, if you're still here, I just kind of want to let you know, you know, Corbett and I are friends, uh, you know, formation ag has been integral part of what hemp logic is doing and has been doing. And, uh, you know, he's, he's coming on this, he's coming on this podcast and he's pointing out, you know, there's, there's, there's holes in this market and he's doing that because, and I, you know, cut me off, Corbett, if I'm going the wrong direction here. But, you know, we're we're trying to. He's just not out here trying to sell equipment. He's not. He's never been that way. It's always been, you know, uh, you know, what's good for the industry itself. And so, him coming on, him and Randy coming on, talking about this, and pointing out, you know, definite holes in this market and in this industry, says a lot about his character and, and the company that he's built. So I just want to I wanted to point that out. No, we go around and speak. All of us do now. Um, and I, I start usually my if I'm going out and talking about harvesting, I'm just showing you some things here to get you to think differently than what you thought when you came in. Just some thought provoking ways of how to farm this crop, how you can be successful at it, how you can do the math and, and realize that it's like I said it before. It's a rotation. You can farm it. Plant and fiber, you can do it just like you do grain. Uh, up until the time you you, know, you harvest it, will be a little different. But um, you know, we we want the industry to go. We're vested in it. This is all we do is hemp equipment, and we may not have all the answers, but we sure have been working hard to sure help people innovate um, and and come up with some solutions. I mean, the progress that has been made in this industry in the last four years is really mind-boggling. If you look at ag in general and and equipment and genetics, et cetera, from, from top to bottom. What what people in the industry, not just us, have, have accomplished is really nothing short of impressive. I hope people realize yeah. that. We're not yeah, – we're, it's maybe not so much poking holes. We're just trying to get you to think a little different, ask a few more questions to make sure that you're doing a, a good business decision so that you have a good shot at being successful because we want farmers and entrepreneurs to be successful. That's the backbone of the country, isn't it? Well, exactly. I, I mean, I want I want people to understand. We want we want to we want the farmers and these out and these other entities to buy buy your six sixty and then and then get into the uh, the genesis. You know, we want them to to grow these things, but uh, we want to do it smart. So, um, well, that being said, guys, let's let's call this a show. 
And uh, once again, uh, we've had uh, Corbett and Randy from Formation Ag. Uh, it's formation-ag.com. Is that right, guys? Did I do that right? Correct. Okay. I nailed it. Um, and uh, you can, you know, if you if you have any questions, if you need to get a hold of them, you can either reach out to me at Hemp Logic, or uh, you can reach out to them at uh, Formation Ag. Guys, that's thank you so much uh, for jumping on. Uh, John, thank you for for coming on and, and asking some really great questions. I think we want to take some of yep. those questions and pull them out to the next uh, next episode for sure. Yeah, I think it'd be exciting, man. Let's kind of uh, just flesh these out. Right on. All right, Matty, thank you, and uh, and I'll you know I'll talk to you later, John. Cheers, man. Thanks. Thank All right, guys. Thank. Yeah, you guys, thank you so much for coming on and spending an hour with me. Uh, Randy, good job in hanging up the phone. That's uh, <laughs> everybody. You got my best talent. Everybody needs a sidekick, and Corbett's got his. That's great. <laughs> yeah, we'll turn it off light, boys. <laughs> that's that's yeah. awesome that you did that. <laughs> Love um, you, man. You got. You guys are great, man. You have a great rest of your day, okay? Thanks, Corey. You too. All right, bye. See you guys later. All right, guys. This is uh, this has been the uh, this has been the Hemp Logic Radio Hemp Fiber Market episode. At first, it probably one or two or three, uh, possibly even four. Who knows? But uh, you guys, uh, thank you if you're still here listening. Thank you for joining the show. Uh, if you like it, uh, make sure you share it. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the uh, to the uh, podcast. And uh, if you have any questions, you know how to get a hold of me. Radio at hemplogic.com. You guys have a good one. Take care, guys. <clears throat>